Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Saturday of March, March 4th, 2023. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. And thank you all who are joining us today on this special day to our regular members, our new listeners and guests. Thank you for spending this Saturday with us as we celebrate our seventh anniversary, seven years of Refuge from the Storm Church. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator, Sister Helena Thompson, our Minister of Music, and Minister Rochelle Jones will be our psalmist today, and she will sing three praise and worship songs today. Sister Sharon Taylor will offer the altar prayer. Oh, not the altar prayer, I'm sorry. Sister Sharon Taylor will offer a presentation on our church history today. Pastor Millicent will deliver the preached word. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship. And as today is the first Saturday of the month, we will be offering the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. So sometime before we arrive at that point in the service, please gather your elements of a piece of bread or cracker or host, water, juice, or wine. And Pastor Milson will offer Holy Communion today. And I, Carolyn Cunningham, will serve as your worship leader. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers for Refuge from the Storm church members, the worldwide church, our families and friends, TIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who've died from targeting all viruses and other catastrophic illnesses. And also pray for all children, especially those who are missing who've been kidnapped and are being trafficked. Pray that all government officials be moved by the Holy Spirit to discern the will of God, to do it and not do their will. Please pray for world peace, all refugees, victims of the worldwide climate crisis, the people of Turkey and Syria who are still suffering from the after effects of a catastrophic earthquake, Pray for all the loved ones who perished from gun violence and for the survivors who have sustained severe injuries. Pray for their healing. 
Thank you for your attention. Now I will sing the opening praise and worship song. After that, I will lead you through the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are by pressing star six and be blessed. Well, good afternoon to some and good evening to others. Thank God for this glorious day of celebration as we kick off the anniversary of the establishment of the church, Refuge from the Storm. This year, because it is our seventh year, and I don't know how many of you have been married, but have y'all heard of the seven-year itch? It usually takes about seven years to get all the kinks worked out of a marriage. And they say that if a marriage is going to break up, it breaks up in the first seven years. But if you make it through the seven years, then you can expect that you're going to have some successful days ahead. And so we wanted to just start off by celebrating God for allowing this church to survive storms and trials and tribulations, to continue to go on no matter who came or who went. We thank God that it's because of his faithfulness or because of his grace and his mercy that the needs of the church have been met. We've been able to help meet the needs of others. God has been so good in blessing us. We like to celebrate everything else. So the decision was made to go through the entire month of March in celebration to our, our Father God for the great and many blessings that he has bestowed upon us. I just join uh, Reverend Myra in the great remarks that she has made. And we just want to give God all the glory and all the praise. We began the plans for this church more than seven years ago. And on the last Saturday in February 2016, the first service was held. The service was held on that Saturday because it was the Saturday before the resurrection celebration. And we wanted to be ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which was that year on the first Sunday in March. As I give honor to the Holy Trinity, I also thank God for each of you. I am especially thankful for those who were instrumental in the founding of this work back in 2016. Elder Carolyn Cunningham was one who volunteered to work with me to establish the church. It was designed to address the spiritual needs of those who had been shut out of the four-walled church in America and around the world. The others that were already named by Sister Sharon were part of the founding group, including Sister Rochelle. We're so glad to have her back with us today. And I am deeply appreciative for the support that Amen. each of you have given. I never want to take our ministry team for granted and is always appreciative, but that's not the same as saying thank you. So to the talented and valuable administrative assistant, Sister Sharon Taylor, our worship leader, Elder Carolyn Cunningham, and those who help us carry out the services each week, Sister Helena Thompson, Sister Greta Ayers, Sister Lisa Lazenby, Brother Bob Pierce, and Sister Sharon Taylor, thank you 
and God bless each of you. All of you are needed to make these services what they are under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Sister Cheryl Miller Harvey has also been an immense support for our Christian education. She was our website manager and designer of the cover for our devotional that is soon to be published. A special thank you to our advisors, Reverend Myra Buchanan, our chairman, Reverend Dr. Linda Johnson, Sister Georgina Porter Wilson, and Reverend Dr. Carmen Cruz for their support and their leadership spiritually as well as financial advisement as we have been together these seven years. The newest member of the advisory group is Reverend Dr. Reverend David Williams Jr. who has agreed to serve with these mighty women of God as we continue up the King's Highway in service to this community of victorious treasured individuals. We live all across these United States and are working together by God's grace through a conference call. I cannot thank God enough for allowing us to join him in what he is doing in his world today. And now for the word. The scripture for today is Psalm 61. I, I read it early in the week. I always start looking to God for the word as soon as the last one's over. And it, it came to me as a devotional for one of those days and it just struck me and stayed with me. And then it was confirmed as I prepared for our Bible study this week, which was on dependency and discipline. And so from Psalm 61, I'll be reading the first four verses and they read, hear my voice, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Now that's a pretty sincere declaration that David was making as he ran from his son who was trying to kill him and take over the throne. And today it's a fitting declaration for we who God has brought through seven long years, seven trying years, seven hard years. And yet our faith is still in the same God to take us on. One of the, the promises that my mother would always remind me of as I went through these days of testings and trials, she would tell me, God has not brought you this far to leave you. And so I share that with each of you this afternoon. God has not brought any of us this far to leave us. Let us pray. Great and mighty God, holy and worthy are you. In all of your ways, oh God, you've proven yourself faithful to us. And so we call you faithful, God. We thank you for this day, God. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you, Father, for inspiring us by the word that you have sent through this vessel today. Father, I decrease as you increase in me. Holy Spirit, do the work of the teacher and the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. 
The topic of the message for this afternoon is, Lord, we depend on you. Lord, we depend on you. Do you remember what it was like to depend on your mom and or dad for everything? As babies, you know, we depended on them literally for everything. But then as we grew, we looked to them for shoes, clothes for every part of our body, lunch money, a sandwich or snack when we were hungry. I think of waiting till Christmas morning for the very toy or item that I thought I could not live without. When sick, I depended on my mother or grandmother to be there to give me medicine, juice, or to pray for me. My grandmother would sit up with me at night when I was most afraid and assured me that God would answer our prayers. The role of an earthly parent is to teach the child how to shift their dependency from the parent to the heavenly father. Consequently, I remember when I joined church and asked Jesus to become the savior of my life. I remember how I learned to serve in the church, to read and study the Bible and teach Sunday school. Once I was married and started my family, the process started all over again. I gave my girls everything that I possibly could to help them to grow into healthy, responsible, God-serving adults. They went through the same spiritual path that I had taken, Sunday school, church, vacation Bible school. And then they came to the place where they themselves placed their trust in God. They trusted him enough to invite Jesus into their hearts. They learned and grew to love singing gospel and worship songs and sang with the worship team at church. Later, they formed a worship group of their own. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just sharing the course that the shepherd boy David took on his own way to being a worshiper, a slayer of giants, and king of Israel, who was called by God himself a man after his own heart. The author of the pericope today is still being debated. However, David is most thought to be the writer. The time of this writing is thought to be during the time that David was running from his son Absalom, who had plotted to overthrow his father, take over the throne, and lead Israel. David had many successes and failures throughout his life, and he wrote many of the Psalms during some of the most trying times during his reign as king. David had many times to cry out to God in prayer. He was being hunted by Saul. The Philistines chased him. Israel and even his own family gave David reason to seek the Lord in prayer. At the writing of this Psalm, Psalm 61, David King is relying on all of the other times that God was shown to be dependable. He delivered David, he saved him, and sometimes he even saved David from himself. You might ask, what does this have to do with the church anniversary? I can see the beginning of refuge from the storm as an idea in my mind when I needed to place a place to worship while being ostracized and made fun of by the church I was attending in 2003. Like David, I turned to God for comfort and encouragement, and it still took 13 years before such a church became a reality. 
I expected that God would raise up someone to lead a church of my desire. It never dawned on me that he would use me to work with others that such a church might be organized. The focus of the, our Thursday night Bible study and support group is spiritual formation. Spiritual formation takes one through the steps that are necessary to become a strong follower of Jesus Christ. I took this class in seminary. It gave the instructors an opportunity to be sure that Christ was formed in me before they sent me into the world to share Christ with others. That spiritual formation class required the student to do 300 hours of field experience. And here we are as a church, seven years later, to God be the glory. Now, like King David, we the persecuted needed God to hear our prayers and to lead us. We found our hearts overwhelmed by the horrendous evil that we were facing and in spite of our distress, God heard and answered. As we carefully follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we have found that God has been a rock, a shelter, a strong tower, a tabernacle, and outstretched wings to cover us. You see, we were running away from a world that we no longer understood. Everything that we knew seemed foreign to us, and we could no longer find our way along the paths that we had tried. The way that we as individuals and as a church have found our way is by knowing God like David as a rock. A rock is used scripturally to refer to God's reliability and his power. Even the eagle realized the sanctuary of a rock. When an eagle is sick, he flies to the cleft of the rock where he lays out in the sun, the S-U-N, so that the poison can be drawn from his body. To sharpen his beak, the eagle runs again inside the rock. In fact, he runs into the rock, the rock or into the mountain and hitting his beak on the rock actually sharpens it. When he's old, he runs into the side of the, of the mountain to break off the beak. And then he goes and flies to the top of the mountain where he stays. And the renewal process begins. He breaks off the beak. He plucks out his feathers one by one. And then he waits and he waits while God does the work. When we need to be renewed, we go to the rock. Dottie Rambo says it best. Where do I hide till the storms have all passed over? Who do I run to when the winds of sorrow threaten? Is there a refuge in times of tribulation? When my soul needs consolation, I go to the rock. And then she wrote a chorus that all of us love to clap our hands and rock to the beat of the music and sing with her. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain and the mountain stands by me. When the earth all around me is sinking sand on Christ, the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Then we found God literally to be a shelter. Can you say that about yourself? A shelter being a place of protection. 
We understand the purpose of a house, a bus shed, park shelter, and even a barn when a storm blows up unexpectedly. Anywhere that one can take cover is good if it keeps us dry from the rain. But where can we take shelter when the storms of life are raging? We can't always go to our friends. The pastor's not always available. Where can you turn when the rain of tears are pouring from your eyes? David found physical shelter in a cave one time, but his soul still needed to know the presence of the Lord. I can run to the shelter of his presence through prayer, through worship. He covers me with his love. But Ezekiel's prophetic warning is being fulfilled today. In 2023, Ezekiel prophesied many years ago, there will be a flooding rain, great hailstones, and a stormy wind. We might think Ezekiel was talking about just the, the uh, upset of the elements and the cosmos. No, Ezekiel was talking about the changes that were going to take place in the hearts and minds of men as the enemy would draw them away from his safety and cause them to walk in sin. Now, there was a movie that I watched many years ago called The Hurricane. The movie was about people who were chased hurricanes. They wanted to be around tornadoes, actually. They wanted to be around when a tornado came and they would throw up some something that looked like cans. The cans would be to be drawn into the, the tunnel of the hurricane, of the tornado. And they, it, they would be able then to gauge the velocity of the wind. Well, one day, the tornado turned on them. So they would generally be in a truck, right? And they would be following the tornado in the truck. But one day it turned and it turned very suddenly. There was a man and woman who was in the truck and they had to get out of the truck and run for safety. But they found shelter in a barn. And in the floor of the barn was an anchor. It was a round hoop that had been secured by the cement in the floor. Well, y'all, I'm telling you, the guy had to do make some quick decisions. He jerked his belt off from around his waist. He tied the woman to the anchor in the floor. Then he tied himself to the anchor through the rest of the belt. And they held on for their life. I'm telling you, the tornado came right for that barn. And it blew every shred of, wind, of, of wood off of it. But when the tornado was over and the clouds began to roll away, y'all, that man and that woman were still anchored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were still anchored to the floor because they had tied themselves to the place that would be secure in that shelter. And so then the next place that David found himself a place of cover. And that was something that I found very interesting as I, as I, I studied and meditated on that scripture. Every place that David named in Psalm 61 was for cover. Every single place was for cover. So the next place David found cover was in a, in a strong tower. He said, God, you are a strong tower. In the ancient world, towers were built to protect crops and roads and cities. They were used both domestically to watch over a landowner's fields and military in the defense of a city. 
Watchmen stood in towers armed and ready to sound the alarm in enemies, if enemies threatened their territory. Proverbs 18.10 is one that I love very much when I think of it. It says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. See, I just got through describing the physical tower, the towers that people, you and I, would expect to watch over us and give us protection. But here we're told in a spiritual manner that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. What does it mean to run into the name of the Lord? It means while driving down the road, suddenly you lose control of the car. The name Jesus is the first thing that comes off of your lips and it's the power that straightens the car back up. I was driving down the interstate recently and suddenly a big, long black truck began to leave the road and it was heading for the median. I knew that if that truck crossed the median, it could have hit me. So I called on the name of the Lord and asked him to help that man. Y'all, the truck went down in the trench of the median, looking like it was going to turn over. Then it went back up on the interstate and suddenly it straightened up. Another example of calling on the name of the Lord as a strong tower is a person standing at the ATM machine and a robber comes up. This was a true story. It was a woman by herself. It was, it was at night and she's standing there with her purse open, her card in her hand, taking money from the ATM. When she saw the robber, she called on the name of the Lord. And I'm telling you, at the name of Jesus, the robber ran away. And don't forget the little eight-year-old boy who was being kidnapped in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sure most of us have heard about that story on the news. That little boy started singing every praises to our God. And while the driver sped down the highway, guess what he did? He let that little boy go. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. The fourth covering that David found to write about in, this, in Psalm 61 is the tabernacle. A tabernacle is a large building or tent that was used for evangelistic purposes. A tabernacle is where we go to meet God in worship and in search of his power to strengthen us for the next leg of the journey or the next round of the battle. I don't know about you, but I can't spend too much time away from the tabernacle of the Lord. When Israel was traveling through the wilderness, the tabernacle was where people were to come and meet with God. When they prayed, they stood and faced the tabernacle with the assurance that God would hear them. So how do we build a tabernacle wherever we are? Start a worship song and see if you don't begin to feel the covering of the, of the Lord through the moving of the Holy Spirit. Begin to pray or praise him just for who he is. God, I love you. Lord, I can't tell you how much I thank you. Oh, what a wonderful God you are. Oh, how I praise and honor you because you are God. Just the praises of the Lord. The word says, remember the song? When the praises go up, the blessings come down. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. He comes down and tabernacles among us. When I think of tabernacle, I think of someone slipping into a church in the middle of the day to pray. 
I used to spend my breaks when I worked at the hospital. I used to go right into the chapel. And that was actually during the early years of being targeted, but I didn't know that I was being targeted. That was in the late 90s. And then finally, David found that God was a shelter, provided a shelter with his wings. Now, we don't see God's wings spread out, just like we don't see angels' wings. I was During my study, I saw angels, and wherever I saw angels, they were always clothed in white. But in the wilderness, God reminded Israel how he bore them on eagles' wings to take them to safety away from the Egyptians. There's a story about an eagle teaching her, her babies to fly. It says when they, in order to prepare them to want to leave the nest, she begins to pull the down out. Now, believe it or not, it's the, it's the mother that goes out and gets the food for the, for the babies. And as they grow, she knows they can't stay in the nest forever. And to make it a little bit uncomfortable for them and so they'll want to leave the nest, she begins to take the down out. The down are the sticks and the twigs and the leaves, whatever she's put into the nest to make it comfortable while the eggs were there hatching. But when it's time to fly, she brings, comes over, flies over actually, spreads her wings and believe it or not, those little baby eaglets know to just jump out of the nest and get on the mother's wings. Y'all, it takes some dependence. They've depended on mom to, to bring them food. They depended on mom to keep them safe from anything that would come and harm them. They depended on mom when it was time to drink or to whatever for whatever fluid they would need for their bodies. And now they had to trust mom enough to hold them up in the air because it was time to learn to fly. And so one by one, the little eaglets would jump out of the nest and get on the mom's wings. God was telling Egypt, Israel, that's the way I carried you out of Egypt. He shall cover us with his feathers, Psalm 91 tells us, and under his wings we may abide. When God carries us on his wings or keeps us safe by covering us with his wings, the point is he keeps us. Now, there was one who depended on God through nine months of gestation in his mother's womb. He depended on God when time came for his earthly entrance in a town called Bethlehem. Jesus depended on God as he grew and learned the scriptures in order that the scribes and priests would know that there was something special about that boy. He depended on God when he was tried by the devil in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting. And God had to help him choose just the right 12 disciples and tell him what to teach them and how to prepare them to carry on the ministry of the church of the living God. Jesus had to depend on God for the healing of the people, for the feeding of thousands and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Jesus had to depend on God when he rode the donkey into Jerusalem for the last time and was betrayed by Judas while he prayed for strength in the garden. Jesus depended on God through each judgment hall and when the crown of thorns was placed on his head, Jesus was still in total dependence 
on his father. While carrying the cross up Calvary, Jesus depended on God. On the cross, in the tomb, and on resurrection morning, Jesus was still depending on God. That the work was finished here on earth and back to heaven, Jesus would go. I heard something really, really interesting today, and I thought I would just share that with you because it made so much sense. That's one of those uh Scriptures that when it's explained to you, you'll look at yourself and say, oh, that'll preach. A man was talking about how Jesus had to forgive. Now, we do know that one of the seven last words is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he was talking about the ones who had tried him and determined that he had to be crucified. That was his own people, the Jews. But there was one who betrayed Jesus and nobody would have thought, not even he gave it any credence when Jesus looked at him and said before the cock crows three times you're going to deny me Peter wouldn't even consider that could have been true but at the end of the third crowing of the of the cross Peter dropped his head and walked away Peter knew that his life as a follower of Christ Jesus was over until after the resurrection, when the message was sent to Peter. Jesus told the women, go tell my disciples and Peter to meet me. And down at the sea, they came. Peter had left the ministry and the word says that he took two thirds of the disciples with him. But they all rushed back to see Peter. And what quickened in my spirit was that Jesus his forgiveness of Peter was his first act after the resurrection. He forgave one who he had washed feet, one who had fed and sat at the last table with. He forgave one who he had looked into his future and told him, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fails not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. And then Jesus showed forgiveness to Peter by questioning him individually. Peter, do you love me? And I'm just saying that because in our own times of feelings of defeat, in our own feelings of betrayal by those we love, even in the church, our feelings of rejection by sometimes our own family members, like Jesus, y'all, we have to forgive. I didn't say it was easy, but I'm telling you that it's necessary. So Jesus declared to Peter when Peter, in all of his glory, and it was actually God's glory, declared to, to Jesus that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, and the gates of hell will not prevail, shall not prevail against the church. Jesus defeated death and the grave so that the church, like refuge from the storm church, could live forever. Lord, we refuge from the storm church and all of its members depend on you. Amen.